Hi, I'm Ur. I'm Tina. And I'm Mandrin. And welcome to Live Catholic Podcast. Hello and welcome again to the Live Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Mandrin Fernandez, and thank you for joining um, this episode. This is my first episode. Uh, check out Tina and Ur's episodes in our um, online streaming platforms, wherever you can find the podcast at Live Catholic Podcast. So, welcome again. If you haven't seen already our um, Live Catholic Online on Facebook, our last episode was on temperance. And so for this episode, we'll be delving deeper uh, into this idea. Um, for me, um, I'm here, as you guys know, I'm here in Australia. And one thing that's talked about amongst the youth or something that's really taboo is, is Catholicism and alcohol. So I thought in this line of temperance, let's delve deeper into it. Where does the church stand with alcohol and so to help me delve more into this conversation i've invited a friend a really good friend uh, along <laughs> i like to introduce him this way first i think i first had a proper conversation with him when we studied together back in the university of notre dame he was an ssc member at the same time a seminarian studying to be a priest obviously and it was just awesome we have great conversations and it's a lot of fun and a lot of laughter but a lot of theology so I'm blessed to invite him and I'm glad that he said yes to join me in this first episode, but I'd like to welcome to the Live Catholic Podcast, Father Josh Scott. Hey, great to see you everyone, or at least to, for you to hear me. Mandrid, it's great to be back and to catch up with you, man. It's, it's been a while. Of course. Always. I, I really wanted my episodes at least um, to be conversations with me and my friends. I don't know. I think that's the <laughs> most important thing of a podcast is having a uh, making people feel involved in a conversation. So I want to have a real conversation. So, of course, you father me and you have many talks for people listening. Me and father, <laughs> we have random calls, <laughs> whether it be about the Catholic Church, about uh, the community or just about anything in general. So Netflix, uh, it's always a yeah. great time. You name it, we talk about it. <laughs> Disclaimer, GTA. <laughs> <laughs> All um, the other streaming but, platforms. But yeah. Yeah. It's awesome to have you. Thank you once again. Um, for our viewers, well, obviously, I know you, um, but here uh, in SFC Global and people probably from around the world, they probably don't know you as well as I do. So for our viewers, um, do you mind just quickly introducing yourself? So guys, I'm Father Josh. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Canberra and Goulburn. So that's in the capital and surrounding areas of um, Australia's capital of Canberra. It's uh, being a priest here is an interesting thing because we've got country rural parishes. Then we got right in the middle to the Parliament House and the government parts of Canberra in our capital. So it's it's a great thing, great way to be a priest here. But in addition to that, you know, we have um, I've been involved with the community for, I think, about 10 years now. Um, started with YFC, went to YFC campus base and went SFC. And now I'm sort of just FC. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for Christ. So with this, it's uh, some things I do. So I teach in our schools here in my parish. I'm in the Corpus Christi Parish in South Tugranong. We've got about 2,500 students in our parish. I do a lot of youth ministry, young adults ministry. Uh, and I'm a part of the Sovereign Order of Malta. So the that's a pretty cool gig and also I yeah. uh, pray with our politicians at Parliament House and there happens to be 
on the occasion, a bottle of bubbly or whiskey or wine during that. So it's good that we're talking about um, the church and alcohol today. So that's me, guys. Um, yeah, yeah, thank good you summary, huh? for that quick introduction. Um, I hope one day, maybe <laughs> maybe in a future episode of Live Catholic Online, um, people could see you physically and we'll invite you. We'll see where the Lord leads. But for today, as um, <laughs> Father has mentioned and I've mentioned, today we're looking at Catholicism and alcohol. And personally, as a young adult, Father is also a young adult. If you look at him, he's quite young. <laughs> Just because you guys can't see me, so I'm in a hoodie. <laughs> I've got an undercut. <laughs> yeah, and, he's, and got he's, Korean styled you know, glasses. So it's. <laughs> he's with the trend. We were actually just talking about Squid Games. But anyway, <laughs> back to the topic <laughs> is that today, I think it's a question that's asked not just about the faith, but even the people in it, right? I think there's different cultures around the world, there's different people who you know have many different scales like there's some people who say alcohol is bad and they stray away from it and personally i know here in australia we have a culture of everyone goes out and has a beer socially you know and has fun like that and even in the catholic circles like we have the extremes where they love their <laughs> they love a few a few drinks and stuff like that so i thought it would be awesome for us to jump on here and just talk about it in line with temperance and help clarify just more on it so let's start with that father can you share to our viewers and even to me here let's clarify where does the catholic church stand uh, with alcohol and drinking well mandred alcohol is a very central point in the catholic church's history so when we go right back let's even go back before christ we look at the passover meal yeah, in the Passover meal, they didn't drink glasses of Ribena. That's like for our international <laughs> guests, that's black currant drink. It's not like, you know, they drank orange juice or lemonade or Coke. They drank wine. Why? Yeah. Because, you know, it was a part of society then. It wasn't mm -hmm. as alcoholic as it is now, but it was a part of society then. And it was a key part of society. So they took very basic things and they used them, say, in the Passover meal. Uh, and it's quite beautiful when we look at the Passover meal. We fast forward throughout history, you know, our history there, you have wine being a part of the Jewish custom. Fast mm. forward, and then we have the Last Supper. Yeah. yeah. And if, you, if we don't think that alcohol is a part of our, uh, part, of, part of our faith, we need to think again. You know, Jesus at the Last Supper was at table with friends. He mm. took the fruit of the vine in a cup. This is my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant. Then here it is, we see that he takes wine and his wine is what he chose to be transubstantiated, to change into his blood. Right. So, you know, wine is, alcohol has got a central part of our of our faith, but it doesn't mean that we have to be drunkards and larrikins. It does. Mm. We fast forward from there, like when we look at Germany and Belgium and we look at Europe, you know, we see for centuries in the Catholic Church's history that we have uh, the Trappists, we have the Cistercians man, making Chartreuse. Some of the best beer in Germany I had was at mm -hmm. uh, Trappist. You know, some of the Trappist monasteries and monks because hospitality was a part of their, a great part of their charism. So alcohol was a part of that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and we even look at like 
for those of us who may be a little bit more familiar with the spirits, little s at the front, uh, even look at Jägermeister and, you know, we look at different alcohols, Benedictine, we look at Paulina beer, we look at Fra Angelico. All of these have Catholic roots. Mm. So alcohol has a very much, um, it has a bit of a role in our Catholic culture. But, Here's the but, word. <laughs> yeah, there's always a but there, you know, or an and. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the thing is, is that, even though we as Catholics are not scared of uh, or we're not overly cautious with alcohol, it doesn't mean we're drunkards. It doesn't mean that we completely wipe ourselves out with alcohol. No, this is where that temperance uh, comes in. It's where this v- great virtue of temperance comes in because temperance helps us to realise when enough is enough of mm-hmm. any good that we have, any worldly good that God's given us. Yeah. And so, you know, there can be a big difference between, you know, a couple of really nice shots of Fra Angelico and three bottles of it. (laughs) And temperance helps us to work out where our limits are with that. Mm. So what's the church say about alcohol? Moderately, that's not a problem. Mm. With temperance, it's not a problem. But in excess, there's a problem. So I think that's that's where um, that's where the line is for for us. Even though alcohol's had a role in our history in the church, and it's been a part of Catholic culture across the world, the important part is is there a, there's a line where enough is enough, mm-hmm. and you know that's where temperance helps us to guide and moderate ourselves in that and to bring balance. Well, thank you for clarifying that. I think you make two great points. I want to delve deeper into into what you've just said. I think the first part is is highlighting how deeply rooted alcohol or just the different forms of drinks is rooted into the church. And then probably later on, we'll discuss that, what you said, the line that we draw between drinking and mm-hmm. drunkenness. So, yeah. Do you have any more examples? I know as I was researching or looking up this topic, I was looking at a post where... <laughs> They highlighted that one of Jesus' first miracles was turning water into wine. And you hear some of the youth or some of the young adults making those um, arguments up. But yeah, can you just <laughs> enlighten us and yeah. give us more, I guess, found reasoning? <laughs> on, well, look, I think water into wine, you know, the, where was he? He was at a wedding feast. Yeah. Like you imagine going to a wedding and not having a glass of wine mm. or, you know, if it's for, for those Australians listening, you'll understand it. Sometimes we take a shot for the groom and yeah. a shot of whiskey for the groom or the bride. Um, so, you know, a wedding wouldn't be a joyous celebration without, you know, having a, a glass of something. Mm-hmm. And so at the wedding feast at Cana, you know, the thing is, is that um, we do see that they wanted to have a party. Yeah. They ran out. <laughs> that's how, that's where... <laughs> Yeah, that's where Jesus had to come in. Like, he would have been a great guy if it. Watering down the story, they were basically like, "We want wine. <laughs> we want wine, right?" <laughs> in a way, that's what's well, kind of like that. Yeah, it's kind of like that because it, you know, it's like it's like they go up to the groom's dad, or most likely, and say, "Mate, there's we're out of grog. We're out of alcohol." Yeah, and you know what a disaster. For the for the bar to run dry, and so the Lord stepped in. Mm. 
So obviously with that, like, I guess wine and, and alcohol is, is it's it's symbolic of, of celebration. Am, am I correct? Is And that's the, the reason why you've said that it's a central part of our faith because majority of what we're doing is celebrating, right? Celebrating the victory of Christ. Would, would, is that a, a correct <laughs> statement to, to say? I would say it is. I would say it is. I'd say that um, alcohol does have a... You know, it does have a role to play in our Catholic culture. And, you know, there's, I think it was Hilaire Belloc that made, had that really great saying. Um, I say it sometimes at weddings for grace. Wherever yeah. the Catholic sun doth shine, there's always laughter and good wine. <laughs> at least that's how I'd like it so. Benedicamus Domino. So bless us, Lord. Um, so I, I think there's, you know, there is that beauty of, alcohol in their catholic culture and but again you know it's it's about celebration it's mm. about fraternity and friendship it's about yeah. building bonds with people it's not just about the effects of it mm. and that i think that's where a lot of people misunderstand alcohol they just yeah. drink it for the effects not for the social yeah. celebratory reasons why we drink and that's the good point that you make. I was going to say that I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about it. And I agree with you. Um, a lot of people focus on the negative parts. Well, I feel like that's what people highlight, you know, when they see people drinking and, and stuff like that. But as you mentioned before, like you have different types of drinks out there that have been stemmed from a Catholic root, right? Like, yeah, can you expand on that one a bit? Like how... Yeah, <laughs> what were they doing making <laughs> making this alcohol? Well, I suppose like um, from what I hear, because of course I don't go around drinking around the world just for the uh, research purposes. There could be <laughs> a course. doctorate in that. There could be a doctorate in that research. If but, anyone's uh, interested, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, contact me. I'm happy to be your supervisor in your doctorate. Uh, <laughs> but but with this, look, I think we, when it comes to the monasteries, let's look at the monasteries. They make some mm. tremendous beer, like Witz, uh, uh, wheat beer in Germany uh, and Belgium and that kind of area, the Germanic area of Europe particularly. We'll start there with beer. I think there's a great part of hospitality, but also on fast days, just what I've been told, so it's, I'm not sure if it's gospel or absolute truth, but I I was told that in some of the big monasteries on fast days, they made thick beer, and because they had to fast, they needed something to get them through those long days of fast. And so they made a thick beer, what we would probably know as a stout or a um, or a thick German wheat beer uh, to be able to fill their stomach and nourish them throughout a fast day. Mm. But also, you know, they had guests because in the Benedictine traditions, that counts the Trappists, the Cistercians, the Benedictines. Um, in that, they have this beautiful charism of hospitality. So, you, you know, you've got to be hospitable. You know, again, we'll talk about celebration. Mm. We're not going to just bring out, you know, a, a bowl of bland gruel or porridge or, you know, some vegan lentils. No offence to our vegans, but, you know, you're yeah. missing out. Um, 
it's it, we need more. You know, I think that they wanted to offer the best they could, and so that's where they developed over time these beautiful recipes. And even today, like some of the um, great places of beer manufacturing in in Europe are made by monasteries. So the hospitality is at the heart of that. And let, let again, yet, yet again, here in Australia, like we have the Jesuits, they mm. run Seven Hill Winery in South Australia that yeah. provides all of the altar wine across Australia. Yeah. And, and let alone their sort of mainstream wines are beautiful. The Marists in, in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales in Australia, they were making wine for a while as well. Mm. And it all comes down to hospitality, but especially with the Jesuits, that it was hospitality, but then it went into a hospitality of God. And now making some of that wine to be offered on the altar of the Lord. Speaking of that, I I think, again, one thing that made me also curious about this whole stance of Catholicism and alcohol is like, of course, growing up in an Asian culture, like personally, it's it's frowned upon, right? You know, like alcohol and like this and that and then coming in growing up here in australia was like <laughs> everyone's embracing it right um and so there's a lot of cultural aspects but before we go into that sticking to this idea of wine in the liturgy right i mm-hmm. i think correct me if i'm wrong father but i remember from my studies <laughs> that even the wine that we have to use during mass has to be the purest form right because it's being transformed into the blood of christ right so yeah, so like, you know, it's not like we can pump it with a huge amount of preservatives or fake alcohol or um, the, the canon law of the church says it has to be alcoholic. So you can't, um, there's very, very small reasons why there are times when they can use a very low alcohol, mm-hmm. alcoholic wine. Um, but on the whole, it's meant to be alcoholic. So there's a particular percentage it's meant to be. It's meant to be made of grapes. So you can't use soju or sake or whiskey. <laughs> uh, it has to be grape wine. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's all of that going on too. But, again, it's to make sure that what is offered on the altar of the Lord is acceptable mm. and that it's closest to that we can bring before the Lord. Yeah, and to probably- be honest, some of, the, some of the altar wine that we do offer is probably some of the best um wines that we really have and i i think i remember in in my studies going back it's like i haven't studied in ages but the reason why especially we have bread and wine is because this comes from man's hands right these are things that are created through our hands that we offer back to the lord acknowledging that these are the gifts that he blesses us with so we give him back the gifts that you know he's blessed us with is that's correct right like and that's yeah, why in the mass when we look at the mass uh, particularly with our uh, English-speaking worlds, like we have, you know, blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have this bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. We have this wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands to become our spiritual drink. You know, we, we, we do see it is something that the Lord has given us. Yeah. Grapes, you know, um, little yeast duvers and it turns into wine. We see wheat turned mm. into bread. And what the Lord gives us, we offer back to him in praise and supplication. Amen. So it, it's what he gives us, we get back. And again, it's around this idea of celebration, you know, 
whenever there's <laughs> wine or alcohol in the Catholic sense, we're, we're, we're acknowledging the, the celebration there. We're celebrating the victories, right? And I think that's what I wanted to get out of that, that first question. And I love that we've nailed that on the head where when it comes to our faith, correct me if I'm wrong in this statement, right? When it comes to our faith and, and, and alcohol, we're focusing on this celebration aspect of, of lifting up these victories. And I hope that clarifies, especially for our viewers, uh, why we've made that statement that alcohol is a central part of our faith in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I, that's it, really. That's that's a thing. Um, it's celeb- And in the Mass, it's not only about celebration, right? So celebration is a big part. Yeah. But also, how important is the precious blood of Jesus? Mm. You know, that, that lifeblood that flowed through the blood vessels, through the lungs, through the sacred heart that pumped through the divine body of the Lord. You know, there on the altar, this wine has, beca- has been found worthy mm. to become something so precious yeah. Now, there has to be something significant about something treasured about wine to have such an honour to yeah. become that. Uh, if we really as Catholics believe that the Lord's present in his precious blood and in the blessed sacrament in the host, then, you know, this is the thing is that there has to be something honoured about wine in order for it to actually become the blood, the actual blood of the Lord. Mm. Amen. <laughs> I think we forget that sometimes. Yeah. And I don't want our viewers to get us wrong. We're not, <laughs> we're not here uh, promoting to drink <laughs> and get drunk. And that's where I want to go into our, steer our conversation to the side of, there's a line. I think, as you mentioned earlier, Father, the Catholic Church, like alcohol is the center, but what we condone, I guess, and what it says we shouldn't be doing is getting drunk. And it comes back to that limit. So let's explore that. When we yep. talk about limits and and drinking, I think that's the line, right? Drunkenness and drinking is two different things. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like um, if you look at you know getting a suntan, okay. the difference between going outside and enjoying the beautiful rays of sun, walking along the beach or going to a school or to a coffee shop is very different to laying out in the sun until you look like a lobster. Yeah, you know it's it's very different things. There is a line, and like drinking and being drunk, it, it, enjoying all of the sun and being sunburnt are different things. One hurts you tremendously, yeah, and you're going to be peeling for days. Mm. And the other one, you can walk away and think, oh, I really enjoyed that. I soaked that up. Mm. So, yeah. I think the similar thing with alcohol. To be honest with you. I think with the line, there's a great difference is that um, having a drink, like if uh, if you're at a really nice restaurant, you you have a matching wine with your courses, you have maybe a dessert wine and maybe a cocktail at the end. Um, You can tell I worked in that industry for a while. (laughs) (laughs) But but with that, you know, it's, it's something to be enjoyed. The difference is, is that, you enjoy the company, you start to relax, mm. you, you're in a good place. Where mm. it starts to go wrong, where the line comes in, is in, you know, during the second course, you know, say if it's a three course or four course, 
During the second course and you're having a steak, down goes one glass of red. Give me another one, waiter. Mm. And then you breathe and it disappears. Oh, gee, that went quick. Give me another one, waiter. Mm. And by the time you get to dessert, you don't know if you're drinking, you know, cordial or you're drinking, you know, methylated spirits or petrol. Right, right, yeah. You know, you, you just completely wipe yourself out. So temperance is where we st- we're able to sort of look at our ability to act well and we're, we're called to act honourable as well. Mm. So it's not just about... We're not saying to drink, you need to wipe yourself out. Far from it. We're actually saying that there are limits and we need to um, acknowledge that that we've got to sort of pace ourselves and we have to realise when enough is enough. In ourselves, we will know. Yeah. Now, when I was at a Filipino gathering once, for our listeners, I'm six foot tall and probably about five foot wide. <laughs> I ex- probably exaggerate in the last part, but Let me and I'm Father a big share guy. That similarities. <laughs> uh, look, more space for the Holy Spirit, man. But, amen, amen. But uh, why give him a prayer room when we can give him a basilica is my point. <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I've lost my place. I'm oh, thinking so, about sorry. the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but so like, I'm a big guy. Yeah. And I went to a Filipino celebration. And so, um, you know, I can drink, you know, four bottles of beer of, you know, San Miguel or something of Red Horse is probably less than four. But I can drink, say, three or four bottles of San Miguel and be fine. If someone is like four foot five or five foot, I wouldn't expect them to drink the same amount as me. So that's where temperance does come in and it nearly becomes sort of on a case-by-case setting. But what I say, what I personally say to myself is I drink just enough to enjoy the company that I'm with Mm. and to feel relaxed. As soon as it hits that point, for me, that's enough. Right. I don't drink to the point where I'm so relaxed, where I'm sort of sort of rolling into the lounge that I'm sitting on and, you know, yep. nearly falling off the lounge. Right, right. You know, I where my voice slurs or something, I, I can honestly say I've only been intoxicated twice in my life. Hmm. And for our listeners, for an Australian, that's uh, that's quite yeah, a that's, record. <laughs> that's true. Um, and those times were the, was probably... Um, times when I didn't realise how strong some of the alcohol was that I was drinking. Um, and I think the other time was is that probably it was a wedding, I think. It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> a just for our thing. listeners. I've, that's right, that's right. For our listeners to let you know, I've actually stopped drinking um, mm. for spiritual and you know physical reasons. I've stopped drinking because, but I still see the beauty of what it, how, how, what drinking can be. And praise God. And again, I think fixating on that idea of temperance, what we discussed in our last Live Catholic Online um, episode, go check it out on Facebook if you haven't already. <laughs> Sneaky plug. <laughs> but <laughs> it's good, guys. We, check it out. We really discussed the fact that, well, the way that I, what I really took away from it was temperance is really the virtue and the grace of being in control. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you know the line of what's too much. And then there's even the side where you completely take everything away. But 
it's about being in control and i love how we explored that in the last episode and it made me um really want to talk about this during the podcast because i think that's what it is it's it's a, it's about being in control of your life and that's temperance and again what you said is the line is knowing where you're in control and where you're not and i think to that's me wrong. like it's it's surprising maybe for all the australians out there being 25 this year i've never been drunk in my life and I agree with you. I think there's a beauty in um, alcohol. Like I'm a person that loves drinks, not just alcoholic drinks, but like sodas, waters. I don't know. I love the, it's just a fancy taste of, of exploring, you know? And I, I don't, I don't see the beauty in, <laughs> you know, you see the people at the parties getting wasted, losing in control. I don't know. Personally, I could never, I don't want to be in that situation where I'm not in control of, of what I can do as a person. I think, yeah, like, like just full stop. And so I think I, I love that point that you made. Um, it's really that. And that's where temperance and praying for that grace and knowing yourself comes in. I think there's a whole bunch of science um, to it. I mean, me and you, Father, we're both theologians. We're not scientists. So <laughs> if you want to research <laughs> more about that, go ahead. <laughs> but um, in terms of the church, in terms of our faith, yeah, like, I love that we're, I hope that for all our viewers, we're unpacking this because I know one of the big misconceptions is that, especially the way we portray it sometimes, or when we go about teaching, um, like teaching this in our faith, right? To our youth groups, to the young adults, even in SFC, right? Like <clears throat> the way we need to teach it has to be a certain way because I feel like some places you teach it in a sense where you paint it, paint alcohol itself as a bad thing. Um, but really, I hope that this episode is really <laughs> clarifying that we're of clarifying that really it's it's drunkenness and and taking yourself to that place of where you can't control yourself anymore. And yeah, look, I I think there's a couple of things there too. So like, um, you know, drunkenness from my memory of Saint Thomas Aquinas, you know, saying that we are more theologians than scientists is absolutely correct. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, Saint Thomas Aquinas, the great, um, you know, the pretty much the spiritual father of modern theology, if I really push it that far. For those who are theologically minded, I'm a Thomist myself, um, not a neo-Thomist. That's an area I don't, sort of don't delve into, but hmm. a Thomist. In his Summa Theologiae, Thomas um, goes so far to say that drunkenness is not only a sin but a mortal sin. Mm. And even the apostolic canon, so like in the really early part of the church, they said the drunkenness, um, whoever's given up to drunkenness um, must either give it up completely or be excommunicated. So even though I'm yeah. sounding like, like I'm very pro get your drink on, yeah. I too agree that we need to actually look at temperance. We need to be temperate in how we look at our at our good things, not just only alcohol, but temperance helps us monitor things like food. Mm. It helps us like to moderate things like gym, mm. all good things that are ordered to the good in excess. Don't do us any good at all. Yeah, no. Like I love chocolate. <laughs> if I was in Willy Wonka, I would be Augustus Gloop. I would be the <laughs> kid drowning in the chocolate. But, you know, as we see with Augustus Gloop, mm. something that's good 
And I think Augustus Gloop is a good metaphor and a good example for when someone isn't temperate. You know, when we something chocolate's good, mm. it is a good thing. Uh, even there is science to say that it is good, particularly the darker chocolate. Yes. I was actually what, just what watching this, a video what, about that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Send me the link after the, after we record it. But, um, but yeah, so chocolate's a good thing, but Augustus Gloop had no temperance, and so he wanted more and more and more, and so he nearly drowned in it. Yeah. And it's sort of like when we look at Dante's Inferno. Guys, if you haven't read that book, read The Inferno. You might see some parallels between that and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm then the Purgatorio, then the Paradiso. Dante's works is actually a great thing to read. But in the Inferno, we see that the people are kind of, you know, in hell, they're tortured uh, f- with the, the major sins. So, for instance, like Augustus Gloop was nearly drowning in chocolate because he didn't have any temperance. Mm. Um, that would be an example of, the, of how the Inferno is depicted with Dante. Yeah. In, in short, you know, I think that drunkenness is not only actually sinful and it's it's a bad look anyway. Like, yep, let's be frank, Mandred. Who wants to see their friends wasted and, you know, they don't remember anything the next day yep. or they don't even remember some of the stuff. Who wants to see? Who wants to be that person? No mm. one. Who wants to see their friend do that? No one. And, you know, sometimes people laugh about it. As a priest, I, I used to be the, a priest in the what you call the party district of Canberra, <laughs> um, and I'd be forever finding people lying around mm. the parish, you yeah. know, completely wiped out. Drunkenness is not on, and um, it's even said there's about 88,000 people die a year um, with because of binge drinking and over-drinking in the US each year. Mm-hmm. So... Guys, drink, it's a beautiful thing, but use your temperance. Mm, Use your temperance. Enjoy what is good. Don't enjoy in inverted commas and then just wipe yourself out and actually damage your body. That's not what alcohol is made for. Yeah. Sorry for that rant, Mandarin, everyone listening. It's it's all right. (laughs) It shows people because we've been talking about it, talking it up so much that, you know, they understand our stance. And I agree with you, like, I, I cannot fathom that idea of waking up in the morning, I, the way they describe it, having a headache, and then they say you don't remember what happened the last day. If if it's something awesome and you're celebrating, why would you want to forget? You know, and okay, I like maybe some people. There's other reasons why they drink, but in terms of a celebration aspect, right? Yeah, that's that's my whole stance on it. And moving forward with that, I think it might be a big cultural thing at times, not just. Um, alcohol but even drunkenness i think you mentioned it earlier uh how you said uh you've only been intoxicated twice and you said to any australian viewers out there like it might be a surprise so obviously i know here in australia um example b crack open a cold one that's the saying right (laughs) yeah crack a cold one on a hot day that's right basically means crack open like open up a cold beer and it's refreshing right it's it's looked as a refreshing drink here um, that you just share. And there's also socializing cultures and all of that. How big of a cultural aspect would you say, um, Father, that there is to to this whole idea of um, drinking and drunkenness and stuff? 
Look, I think there's a huge amount of it, to be honest, because, you know, even as followers of Christ, we live in the world. Yeah. And we're meant to be in the world, not of it. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, every one of us, even I have friends who would go out clubbing and they would wipe themselves out with alcohol. Mm. You know, it's, um, I would say that it takes, to be honest, friends listening, it does take courage and it takes perseverance to stand up and say, no, I don't have to drink. Now, that's the other side of things. Yeah. You know, abstinence, being a teetotaler, not drinking is perfectly fine. Yeah. And since I've stopped drinking, I haven't I've stopped drinking for about nearly two years now, I suppose. Oh, wow. Um fifteen months. Yeah, nearly two years. Nearly two years. Yeah, say a year and a half, but um because I've lost counts. <laughs> uh it's it's fine to go to somewhere and not feel like you have to be pressured to drink. Alcohol yeah. is a beauty is a, a good, but I think with the culture we live in that wants to pressure you to drink, it pressure wants us to pressure do a lot of things. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that be okay. It's okay not to as well if it's not what you really want to do. So, you know, I think really the big thing is friends is we need to be healthy mm. and honest mm. and live humane Christian lives. Mm. And that that's where temperance comes in, you know. That's where, okay, Mandred, if I was still drinking and I could pass, you know, a little glass of, you know, Japanese whiskey through a screen or through the <laughs> microphone, we could have a shot together. You know, that's fine. But, you know, there is that limit. And that's where I think um, there's a great divide. between, And that's where culture can impact us. Some yeah. cultures, they're taught how to drink well and temperately. Mm. Um, you know, and others, they don't know how to stop. Yeah. So, I think, yeah. I think growing up here in Australia, I personally, I've been surrounded with that. Um, knowing people that that's the culture that you get brought up with, like drinking's cool. It's fun. And I think it's like as a young person, you you have that idea like, oh, the, alcohol, the, the adults say don't do it. So we like, let's do it. Let's have fun. Um, but yeah, personally, I, I never really... I never really got onto that because, for example, you know, there's just little things. You can't drive. I love driving. <laughs> I love being able to go home and sleep in my bed so peacefully. Like, I don't want, That's you know, right. I'll so happily be the person not to drink. But <clears throat> I think one thing I do want to say is that I agree with you. It's okay not to drink. It's okay to say no. You don't have to. You know, it's yeah. it's nothing like if you're feeling pressured into doing it. <laughs> Yeah. Again, it comes back to that being control. I want to be in control of my life, but I would say if you are gonna drink again, do it responsibly. Be in control. Don't don't take yourself. It's it's okay. I, th- I feel like that's also something that's missing in the world. That there's normally presented two sides where it's like the people that choose not to and the people that choose to get wasted or just intoxicated. But I feel like in this world. Um, we need more models of people that are in control. I, I, yeah, that's I don't know right. If, if, that's you, right. if you agree with that. Well, no, I do. Because look, if you look at it like a bowl, you know, like a bowl that you eat your cereal from. Yeah. If you look at one side as being people who are completely abstinent, and the other side that is, com- you know, um, completely drunkard, we're yeah. called to be in the middle. It's the middle part of the bowl that holds the most. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're not called mm. to be. Yeah, you know, if you want to be on 
on the completely abstinent, no alcohol, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But, you know, and he... If you want to be a drunkard, I'd like invite you to reevaluate your life. <laughs> but in in the in the middle is actually if you want to drink, is the is the place I'm meant to be. You know, yeah. know when enough's enough. Know you know know that's um, you know there there is a limit, and yeah. you can still enjoy yourself. Yeah. Uh, a little tip, like for those for those of us who do drink, you go get um, your notebooks out. <laughs> Press record on from this <laughs> point, guys. <laughs> yeah. But like, for instance, if you are going out to have a drink, yeah, alternate between, say, if you're drinking beer. This is something I learned when I, I started drinking at 21, not mm. at like 17 or 16 or 15, mm. uh, when they all start stealing people's alcohol from their parents, you know. Yeah. Um, I know that people do this. I sit and, yeah, I've listened to a lot of people talking and... Uh, <laughs> I'll probably get told a lot of things I don't want to know about. I'm not talking about confession. I'm just talking in general. Yeah. Uh, but, guys, right, this is a big tip. If you actually want to be in the middle, you'll be temperate drinkers on a night out. So the thing is, is that have, eat when you drink. Mm. Have a packet of crisps or chips, whatever you call it, where you're from. Have some beer nuts. Have food, have chicken wings, like buffalo wings and beer go really well together. Yep, that's right. You know, eat. And, you know, you might have a beer and then might have a soda. And then you might have a, a, a beer later. Mm. You don't have to drink full-strength beer. You can drink light beer. Don't mix your drinks. Mm. So if you're you're going out, don't start with having a beer and then going to a, a, a whiskey chaser and then... Finishing with, you know, vodka sh- shots. Yeah. Like that's, you're going to be disastrous the next day and you've completely lost temperance as soon as you started doing that. Yep. So I'd say, uh, guys, if you want to be temperate, you can also be smart and you can actually, doesn't mean that you have, you know, one glass of wine and then you're in the risk of being sinful. Mm. Be smart. As I said, eat when you drink. Rotate non-alcoholic drinks. You know, alcohol, water or soda, alcohol, water or soda. You might have a couple of waters and sodas in between an alcohol. And that way you're able to actually keep your body flushing all the toxins out that are in the alcohol, but also you're able to remain more in the virtue of temperance and still have a good time without wiping yourself out and without making a fool of yourself and ultimately without being sinful. Mm. Um, and I don't understand like that priest that stands up with the crucifix proclaiming everyone's going to hell. But we, we can be smart, guys. We can be yep. smart. And they're just some tips from my own experience on how you can actually drink in a, a right manner, you know, and that we can do it in a good way. No, I love it. And um, I think that really is why when we talk about temperance, I really wanted to do this topic for our podcast because it really does not just talk, apply to alcohol, but temperance in terms of our life because i feel like sin is really i, I think that's the, the the trick of the evil one he twi- he he twists the good he twists the truth correct and that's yeah, where absolutely. i over these past two weeks where i've been learning more about temperance oh, i've fallen in love with that i'm like oh lord i need to pray for more temperance i need the grace more and more because i'm unpacking it to that you know what really makes you in control of yourself is that grace from god and it's seen that's in the virtue right. of temperance. So 
I love it. Prudence but, and temperance are really important mm. that she's first to possess. Yeah. I Absolutely. I will put it this way, Father. This is probably <laughs> the last thing I would love to talk to you about. We're in a pandemic, right? We've talked about uh-huh. we've talked about things, you know, in a normal sense, I think when you're in uh when you're having a celebration, you're having a good time, but I'd like to acknowledge that in this time of pandemic it's hard for everyone. And it's a tough on a lot of people. Both of us have worked with respective youth ministries, with adult ministries, and and just understand that. And even in my research, I realized, or I looked up like the alcohol sales. I looked up the consum- consumption of alcohol in this time of pandemic, and I know for a fact it's it's going gone up. And so, speaking of this topic, what about those cases where, um, example, we're in a pandemic and people are struggling and and all of that and alcohol coming into that. Let's discuss that. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, look, I think it's... Um, so one part I didn't tell everyone, guys, so I'm a qualified hospital chaplain. I've taken a step back from hospital ministry. So I do understand the burdens of COVID and I understand the burden that it has on people working directly with it and also the burden it has on the wider community. So what? firstly, let's just look at the situation we're in, Mandred, you know. Yeah. Uh, some of us are locked down. So yeah. for those in the States, yes, yeah, some of us in Australia are still locked down. Is it draconian? Yeah, that's a question. But <laughs> Another podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, we can do that next time. Yeah, <laughs> we can, I might speak with Matt Frad on pints with Aquinas about that. <laughs> Love it. I joke. I wish I could do that, but I don't know him. But, it's, um, but with that, guys, um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. You know, people are feeling anxious. People are feeling starting to go a bit crazy working from home. It was fun being in our pyjamas for the first four weeks. Mm. And now we might be in like day 100 plus for some of us. Yeah. That's tough. And so we're getting a bit fed up and a bit edgy. And so we're probably looking at ways for us to relax and to escape. Mm. Now, what I would say to that is, is that as soon as you need a substance to escape, we're not in a good frame of mind already. Mm. Now, what's how's that difference between relaxing, you know, not in a normal situation with alcohol and needing a substance to sort of, you know, bring us down a bit? I'd say the difference can be is that in the pressure that we're in, sometimes with the with uh, ang- anxiety and stress and all those kinds of things we drink for the effect more than for the enjoyment of sharing alcohol we try and we drink for that effects of i don't want to feel this anymore yeah and that's not healthy Mm. that's not healthy what can we do instead of you know i would say i know people um people our age mandarin uh who who struggle with drinking yeah, um, particularly the pandemic, it set their drinking habits off the planet. Mm. Um, one guy I know will drink at least one bottle of red a night. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah, it's very difficult. And with that, um, he, he does wipe himself out a lot. Mm. And with COVID, he's gotten worse. Yep. So what I'd say, what are some tips that we can do so we're not drinking for effect? Yep. Um, a couple of things. If you're able to get outside... 
and you're able to go for a walk. So in Canberra, we can go for a walk for two. We've got two hours outside exercise, nice, recreation nice. time. So, you know, what can you do? You know, good exercise is good for you. Amen. So it doesn't mean that we always have we have to go out being a super saiyan outside or it doesn't mean that we <laughs> yeah. we have to sort of like be out doing push-ups on the park bench. If you do that, God bless you. Offer a Hail Mary for every push-up. Yep. But with that is that to get out to walk even for half an hour, 40 minutes, to get out and just get rid of some of that energy, that sort of... Um, Anxious, anxious, yeah, anxious energy yeah, yeah. and stress energy. Just get it out. Go for a run. Go for a walk if you're not a runner. Mm. If you're someone who just wants to wander, wander and and look at the trees and look at the sunset. Yeah. I know that sounds like a boomer thing to say, oh. but yeah, you know, look at the beauty of creation. You meant to that. It gets you out. That's one thing that we can do more of, and I think that we we probably don't do it as as much. That's the first thing that can help. The second thing is, guys, is, of course, I'm a priest. I'm going to ask you to pray. Amen. And because I, I love Jesus with all my heart. And, you know, I, I think if we actually genuinely pray and not just be like, you know, no offense to, to our little brothers and sisters in the community, but, you know, our early wife says, I love you, Jesus. Give me everything. Yeah, I love you, mm. Jesus. Shut up. <laughs> Respectfully. Shut up and allow the Lord to speak to you in quiet. Mm. Go for a contemplative walk. You know, sit back and listen to some quiet worship music and allow the Lord to just wash over you. Yeah. You know, pray the rosary. Ask our Blessed Mother to, you know, to hold you in her mantle. Um, you know, prayer is so important. And, um, you know, people talk about mindfulness and all this these mindfulness coloring in books. Have you seen them? Those... Yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, the, books, just... yep. yeah, well, look, they can be helpful. I had a coloring in the book once, uh, a Catholic one, where you just color in, you know, depiction of the Psalms. Um, <laughs> well, that was more nice. because I was, I was probably bored in a lecture or something at the time. <laughs> I was... But, you yeah. know, that's, but, you know, instead of like being mindful and that is like trying to be prayerful without prayer. Yeah. Now, actually reach out to the Lord. That's the second thing. Third point, friends, you, you need to exercise. You need to be able to pray. The next thing is get out of bed in in the morning. Yeah. Don't stay in bed. And then, because to be honest, idle hands call as occasion for sin. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of bed. It's called the minute of glory. I do this every morning and it's probably a bit of an overshare, but no, I get that. it. As soon as I wake up, I get out, I kneel, and I pray a Hail Mary. Mm. My Hail Mary is to make that day fruitful. Amen. You know, beyond me. So I get out of bed straight away and I make my bed so that when I, if I've achieved nothing in the day, I've made my bed. Amen. I now, what's, what's this going to do with temperance? What's this going to do with temperance? Well, actually, good, good exercise. Mm. Good exercise, a good prayer routine, being disciplined in your life, and then also eating well, friends. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know about you, but comfort food is so good in lockdown. Amen. You know, <laughs> I, I want to reach out for like, you know, those those braised ribs or, mm. yeah, I want to get like, um, you know, Uber Eats or something to my house and, you know, 
peg out on whatever I can. What I've actually found is, is that when you eat well, like healthy, but well, you feel so much better. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are like reaching out for chocolate and sugar and mm. all of those comfort foods. And again, temperance will help us moderate this. It's not mm. just alcohol that we're doing in the pandemic. Yeah. Temperance will help us actually moderate this. So with all of those things, friends, during lockdown, if you're able to have the, those different things together, we're able to be together. Great. We're not falling apart, you know. A good routine, like the Benedictines who make all that beautiful beer in Germany, mm. a good routine of prayer and work actually gives us purpose. Yeah. And if you're really, really still doing your head in, buy a house plant. <laughs> <laughs> call it call it Norbert or what it's some <laughs> stupid name. And you know, I've got a lily there and it flowers like five times a month. It's actually incredible, this little plant. What's your lily's name? Lily. Okay. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, just get, just be proactive yeah. and you know, don't hold back and sort of just be, um, you know, sitting, moping around and relying on things to make you feel good in the pandemic. No, I love it. And I think, I think that answers not just for the pandemic. I think I, there's people that go to substances to get them out of those tough times. And I agree with you. It, And I think I love that this is why I wanted to speak about this topic for temperance because it just highlights how much more temperance is about being in control to yourself, self-mastery. You know, we always do that. And all the viewers out there, I just urge us to pray for more temperance. I am. I know definitely each and every single day I'm praying more and more for the virtue of temperance and the grace to be able to live that out in my life properly. Um, And I hope that, you know, this episode uh, has enlightened you or allowed you to understand that concept more by looking through the topic of Catholicism and alcohol. So, yeah, thank you once again, Father, for um, joining me. Before we close off, is there any, like, one last message you want to leave our, our listeners with? That's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> I have one, one, one last point, friends, yeah. and... Mandred, it's always great to chat, so it's it's good to do this with you today. Yeah. Um, sometimes, friends, we think of the virtues as I've got to hold back and I can't do what I want, and we can actually get into a framework of seeing the virtues as repressive. Why can't I go and drink? Mm. Why can't I do what I want? Mm. And we, we feel it like, you know, we feel like it's repressive. To that part of our community and friends, and it may be even ourselves who thinks that, I want to speak this to you. Virtues are not repressive. That is, they, they're not trying to hold us back. But they give us the capacity, particularly through divine inspiration and being nourished by God, it gives us the capacity to strive to be the fullest person that we were created to be. Mm. And if we if we just think, oh, poor me, I can't go wipe myself out in alcohol. If we're sort of like that, really you need to review your life. Mm. <laughs> but get a life, in other words. Straightforward. But use, use the virtue, you know, embrace virtue because 
if you really embrace virtue, especially temperance and especially prudence, people will look at you and say, I want what that person's got. Mm. And you'll actually become the greatest tool of evangelization the Lord can have because he will shine through you in your virtue. Mm. So, friends, it's an honour to be with you and for, for you to put up with my Australian accent for so long. <laughs> Thank you for bringing but, out my Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> but, friends, strive for heaven. That's where we're called Amen. to be. Strive for heaven and don't hold back. You know, the culture's calling us to go down. I'm calling you to go up and keep going up and keep climbing that ladder. And if you fall off the ladder, it's okay because we priests are there to help put you back on the ladder and to keep climbing. Praise God. So, Mandred, what a privilege it is to talk to you about alcohol. <laughs> what a privilege it is to have you on, Father. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you this hear, chat. Did you hear that? Sorry, do you hear... Oh, don't worry. It's just the beer truck pulling up outside <laughs> my house. So. <laughs> I'm going to go crack a cold one after this, eh, Father? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. A, a, a cold, sparkling water. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, praise God, and thank you for joining. And I hope you was you really enjoyed us delving into this and, and hopefully it took something out of it and joining us in praying for temperance. I guess to sort of just finally, this is probably the last thing I'm going to ask of you from this for this episode. <laughs> uh, this moment is if you could pray to close the episode and give our viewers and of course me here with you a, a blessing to end us off. No problem. So friends, as we come before the Lord in love and in thanksgiving for all the virtues he gives us. Let's just prepare ourselves for prayer. So if you're by yourself, just, you know, allow yourself to sort of quieten down and calm down in the presence of God. So friends, we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Father, we're we're so grateful for the gift of the virtues that you give us. We're so grateful for this gift of the church that you lead us in. And in the midst of this, we pray for an increase of temperance in our lives. Lord, temper our desires and turn our focus towards you. Deliver us from our tendencies to go to extremes and to, to really push through our body and soul in ways it shouldn't be. Help us to be content in what we have instead of constantly wanting more and more. Help us to recognise, Lord, the grace of wisdom, the grace of moderation that brings contentment and appreciation, but also that brings a grace of life building up within us. Lord, let temperance grow in every one of us, wherever we are in our world, and lead us to discover all of the other virtues in your grace that bring us to a deeper union with you. We praise and thank you, Lord, for the great gift of this temperance, the great gift of virtue. And I pray for every single listener today that the power and all the grace and heavenly blessing you want to pour out on them will come down upon them now. May your blessing descend, Lord, upon us all, now and always, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you once again, Father Josh Scott. And 
Brothers and sisters, I'll end it with this. The best life is a Catholic life. So let's all live Catholic. <laughs> with that, this is Mandred, your host, signing out. Thank you once again. Join us here every two weeks and we'll see you online as well. Take care. God bless and have a good morning, afternoon, evening.